0: Truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and does not come into judgment, but is passed out of death into life. Who said that? Well, Jesus Christ spoke those words. Who wrote it down? Well, the Apostle John. But who inspired it? The Holy Spirit. And who opens it up to my heart? And who opens my heart up to the truth of it? The Holy Spirit. That's who. He bears witness with our spirit. And I can't explain it and neither can you, but the Holy Spirit takes God's truth and opens our eyes to it. He bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. People hear that and hear that and hear that, and one day they hear it, and then as Christians they grow in
1: their appreciation of it, and our assurance is from the Holy Spirit. Welcome to Downtown Bible Class with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Today we continue in our study of the book of Romans. Pastor Scott begins part two of the message titled, Assurance from the Spirit. We invite you to follow along with us now as we get started. little child is adopted
0: and really never maybe understands the marvel of it because he never knew. He was adopted at birth and he never knew anything but mom and dad. And so very little difference in his mind, perhaps, between the one born. But uh, think of the one who's adopted after letting his life develop. And let's say he was uh, a rebel, which we were. And picture the young man or the young woman who has done nothing to deserve any grace. And the loving couple says, we want you to be our child. We willingly choose you. Scripture says that God chose us to adopt us as sons before the foundation of the world. And he knew what he was getting. Sinners like us. Marvel at it. And, you know, that's eternity past. Adoption. Salvation is all of God. And even this term adoption. In the past, God chose to adopt me. My experience of it is that conversion. Conversion. When I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, I can say, Abba, Father, because the spirit of adoption has come within me. And yet there's still that future aspect also. Uh, Look over back at Romans 8 now. He's not done commenting on this, and we'll get to it again down in verse 23. When he's saying the whole creation is groaning, awaiting the return of Christ, and when he sets things right... And not only this, verse 23, but also we ourselves having the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves grown within ourselves, waiting eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our body. There's a sense in which uh, God has given me full privilege in His family. I'm adopted, but I'm still waiting for that day when He finishes the work and I get a new body. Who will set me free from the body of this sin? O wretched man that I am, Paul cries out. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. There is a deliverer, Jesus Christ. And chapter 8 unfolds the whole picture. And not only were we given the first fruits of the Holy Spirit, the spirit of adoption, so that we have these privileges... But there's coming a day soon when the adoption will be complete, you might say, verse 23, and we're going to get new bodies, and we'll have bodies just like His. There won't even be that propensity to sin. We will be like Him. It's amazing to think about adoption. And, of course, it closely ties to the new assurance that we have, verse 16. You have new way of life, 14, new axis, 15, and the new assurance, verse 16. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Now, salvation is of God. So is assurance. All aspects of it. Uh, Objectively, assurance is based on the finished work of Jesus Christ. But subjectively, in other words, in my experience, subjectively, it is a work of the Holy Spirit. And so objectively, it's based on the foundation is the fact that Jesus Christ redeemed me and said, it is finished. But I know I'm a child of God. My assurance, it comes home to my heart, the subjective side of it, as the Holy Spirit works in my life. You see, he is the great teacher. He is the great comforter. And don't separate those. Uh, God doesn't. God's spirit is called the teacher, the comforter, the helper. And he at birth, in fact, even before birth, but let's just uh, for sake of Of simplicity, we'll say at birth, he takes the word of God. Now he did. We already talked about his convicting work prior to conversion, but he takes the word of God—that's the objective truth—and he brings it home to our hearts. That's the subjective application of it. And uh, you know, you could uh, you could illustrate with many, many passages of scripture, but I'll use John 3.16, because in my own personal experience, this is what happened. John 3.16 stands, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Some people, in fact, that's one of the most famous verses in the Bible, many people can quote it nonchalantly, yeah, yeah, I've heard that one. In fact, often when I'm telling people that verse, they'll kind of speed me up. Yeah, oh, yeah, And I hardly ever let them do that. I just want to let the words roll out. For God so loved the world. Because there comes a point when it's no longer just something you learned. Maybe you're familiar with it today. But the Holy Spirit brings it home to bear on your heart. For God so loved me that He gave His only begotten Son for me. That whoever believes... Whoever? You mean with all I've done and the mess I've made of things and the guilt that I've experienced? Yes, I mean you. He means you. Whoever believes in Him. And the Holy Spirit takes that and brings it home. And you say, whoever believes in him will not perish? You mean I can know that I won't go to hell? That's exactly what he means. But have eternal life? I'm going to heaven? Yes. That's the work of the Holy Spirit as he takes the objective truth and applies it to your life. For some, it's during a crisis. It's when they find out that they can't depend on anyone, not even their spouse. For some, there's no crisis at all. It's just a long process of realizing the need, conviction, and a drawing to Jesus Christ. For some... It's when some intellectual obstacles are removed and the Holy Spirit brings truth to bear on the conscience. I mean, everyone has a different experience, but the point being, it's the work of the Holy Spirit. And He brings us to salvation. And then immediately, at conversion, He continues the process. We take God's Word and we believe it. And we have assurance. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit, that we are children of God. Someone asked me, Scott, how do you know you're a child of God? How do you know you're going to heaven? God told me. The Holy Spirit told me so. Now, I don't know what that brings to your mind, but I'm not talking about hearing voices here and there. I'm talking about God telling me so. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes Him who sent me has eternal life and does not come into judgment, but is passed out of death into life. Who said that? Well, Jesus Christ spoke those words. Who wrote it down? Well, the Apostle John. But who inspired it? The Holy Spirit. And who opens it up to my heart? And who opens my heart up to the truth of it? The Holy Spirit, that's who. He bears witness with our spirit. And I can't explain it, and neither can you. But the Holy Spirit takes God's truth and opens our eyes to it. He bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. People hear that and hear that and hear that and one day they hear it. And then as Christians, they grow in their appreciation of it. And our assurance is from the Holy Spirit and it is based on the objective truth of His Word but He ministers it to our heart in a subjective process. Uh, And He could use any and all the promises, you know. In Christ, all the promises of God are yes, 2 Corinthians one twenty says. And so I could quote verse after verse, and and if we had the time, many of us would tell the different verses that God used in our life initially, and then in an ongoing basis. Uh, Friday morning, I was spending time in God's Word, and then some friends stopped by from out of town for lunch, and uh, I wanted to give him a book that is ministered to me. So I wrote in the flyleaf, and I was gonna—I thought—what verse would I put on here? And I put one that I'd just seen that very morning in Deuteronomy, that just spoke to my heart and boiled it down to the truth that God is God, and all we—the only requirement we have—is to walk with Him, serve Him, love Him and God's Word continually ministers to us, that's His Holy Spirit's work. He bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Now, three things, very quickly. The world does not grasp this. <laughs> the natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God. They're foolishness to him, and they're spiritually appraised. He doesn't. They, the world doesn't grasp this. Oh, that's nice for you, I guess, but you can't really know. We say, yes, you can, no. No. (laughs) Well, you religious folk, everybody has a different religion. We're not talking about different religions. We're talking about God and His Word and the revelation of the Almighty. The world doesn't grasp this. Don't be surprised that they don't. Don't try to get them to grasp it in the sense of uh, understand that what they need to do is come to salvation themselves. They need to come to Jesus Christ. And then they will grasp this. But the natural man doesn't accept these things it doesn't it doesn't the world does not grasp it the religious world secondly the religious world hates this I mean it you see religionists are some of the biggest opponents of this simple assurance that the god that God the spirit gives God's children uh, the religious world opposed Christ when he was here didn't it And the religious world continues to oppose his children. And the religious world... You see, religionists, they deal in what? You say, well, what religion? I don't really care. (laughs) You pick the religion. You can pick Christendom, a Christless Christendom, the kind of Christendom that just uses Christ as an example and the trappings and the cross and things as symbols and doesn't really call for repentance and faith in Jesus Christ. And all you've got is a religion. You have the form, but not the power thereof. That kind of religion. Or you can pick Buddhism or Islam or all the other religions of man. Religion doesn't like this because religion deals in what? Religion deals in human merit. Human merit. You see, whatever the religion, it says, if you'll do this, 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 and this, you can be right with God. And when a believer says, my part was the sinning, His part was the saving. Jesus Christ died for me, and I know I have eternal life. I know I'm a child of God. You can't say that. That's almost blasphemy. And boy, the religionists will just not like this because the word of the cross is to those who are perishing foolishness. But to us who are being saved, that brings me to the third thing I'd like to say. The world doesn't understand it. The religious world hates it. The believer, the child of God, loves this assurance, clings to it, sings of it. I will sing of my Redeemer. We gather together and people who've never sung in unison before throughout their whole life start singing. And it takes a while to get used to it, but pretty soon you one of the highlights of your week, isn't it? To gather together and sing praise to God for what He's done for us in Christ. Turn over to Corinthians 1 just for a second. First Corinthians 1. I quoted, and it it states it pretty well, verse 18. The word of the cross is to those who are perishing foolishness, whether they're religious or secularists. But to us who are being saved is the power of God. You see, that's why the Holy Spirit, when He controls a man, when He is in charge of a ministry, of a church, when He is involved in ministry, that ministry will proclaim Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Verse 22, Indeed, religionists ask for sign and secularists search for wisdom. You see how I'm adapting it a bit there. But Jews and Greeks, he's basically picturing the secular man and the religious man Jews ask for sign, Greeks search for wisdom. There's the philosophy department that says, oh, you can't. It's not that simple. No one can really know. And they spend hours and decades and years and finally eternity in the kind of darkness that comes when man seeks to rely on his own intellect to understand these things. Listen, the world through its wisdom, verse 21, didn't come to know God. That's why God was well pleased through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. For indeed, Jews ask for signs, Greeks search for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified. To the Jews, a stumbling block. To Gentiles, foolishness. But to those who are the called, whether you come from a religious background or an irreligious background, both Jews and Greeks, Christ The power of God and the wisdom of God. Verse 30. By His doing you are in Christ Jesus who became to us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. It's by His doing that we're in Christ. And in Christ we've found everything we need and His Holy Spirit bears witness to our spirit that we are indeed children of God. Now, assurance, the subjective side of it, the experience of it, is a ministry of the Holy Spirit. Turn over to 1 John real quickly. It's important that we see these things. Uh, 1 John, it's a work of the Holy Spirit. Romans says it. The New Testament consistently declares this. Uh, I want to look at two verses in 1 John and their context just briefly. Verse 24 of chapter 3 1 John 3:24 The one who keeps his commandments abides in him and he in him and we know by this that he abides in us by the spirit which he has given us It's a ministry of the Holy Spirit chapter 4 verse 13 By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit it's a work of the Holy Spirit. It is never divorced. Assurance is never divorced from the objective truth. Read on there, verse 14. We have beheld and bear witness that the Father has sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. You see, the triune God is the one who saved me. And yes, the Holy Spirit brings it home to my heart, but it's based on what the Father did in giving the Son. It's based on John three sixteen, if you will. Whoever confesses, verse 15, that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. It is ours at conversion. Verse 16, we have come to know and have believed the love which God has for us. It is ours at conversion. It is our birthright, this assurance. And it is completely stable. But our appreciation of it, our growth... Let me put it this way. Our assurance grows, our experience of it, as we walk in the Spirit. So to go back to Romans 8 in your thinking, as we've seen right along, this whole thing, all these things are true, but they become more true in our experience as we set our mind on the things of the Spirit in a positive sense and as we put to death the deeds of the body in the negative sense. And so this whole context in 1 John 3 and 4 is calling for reality in the Christian life. It says, listen, beloved, let's love one another because love is of God. And if you're born of God, you're going to love one another because God is love. And He demonstrated His love. in this is love. Not that we loved Him, but that He loved us. And if that love of God touches your heart, you're going to love one another. And so it is never divorced assurance from the reality of the Christian experience as we walk in the Spirit. And that's why if a person willfully chooses to walk away and walk according to the flesh, if that person is a child of God, they'll lose the assurance of the Holy Spirit in the sense they won't be experiencing it and they will be, of all men most, to be pitied and miserable. Uh, It's a miserable situation to be in. Uh, Now, the Holy Spirit... The spirit of adoption as sons, the one who bears witness with our spirit, he does so as we cooperate with him and as we allow his word to sink into our life. I think of uh, two men that I talked to recently that illustrate this. One, I talked to at length about eight, nine years ago, and I thought I had, uh, quote, led him to Christ. But uh, over those eight, nine years, there have been no... no, uh, Verse 14, being led by the Spirit, no following of Christ. Uh, He doesn't doesn't say, Abba, Father. He uses uses the name of the Lord all right, but it isn't Abba, Father. He uses it in vain. It's a punctuation point in his conversation. And as I talked to him recently, uh, eight, nine years later from our other times talking, He's still where he was, no assurance, no understanding of the gospel. And I'm thinking, why is that? Well, I'm not really thinking, why is that? I kind of know why that is, because there's been no real birth. Then recently I was talking to another businessman, and he told me how as he heard the gospel, over a period of time, he heard it several times, he just said, I just knew it was true. And there's growth and there's life and he delights in calling God his Father and he delights in following the Savior and he delights in being led by the Spirit and his assurance is growing and his desire is to invest his life that others might know the same assurance. And you see the great difference between the child of God and the natural man. No matter what his profession was eight or nine years ago, now assurance is something that God gives based on the objective truth of the finished work of Christ. But the Holy Spirit brings it home to bear. Now, Christian, enjoy it. Grow in it. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Gaze at Christ. Glance at yourself. I try to capture sometimes the balance here. The objective finished work of Christ is the basis for my assurance. It is finished, Jesus said. I want to gaze at the finished work of Christ. I want to glance at myself and make sure that there's reality in my life. Don't you gaze at yourself and glance at the cross. That will lead to a treadmill of looking to yourself for assurance. But the Holy Spirit bears witness with our spirit as we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus Christ. And my assurance, the bottom line foundation for it, is not what He's doing in my life, but what He did for me at the cross. And the Holy Spirit takes those things and brings them home into reality in my life and in your life. Oh, we have a new way of life. We're being led by the Spirit. We have new access. We can say, Father, and the more we do, pray, pray without ceasing, the more we enjoy that access. And we have new assurance. We've been adopted. We have full rights and privileges. We have the assurance from the Holy Spirit Himself that we are His children.
1: You've been listening to Downtown Bible Class with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Please stay with us. Pastor Scott will return in just a moment with a preview of our next broadcast. Today's program was titled, Assurance from the Spirit. A message from our series in the book of Romans. If you missed a portion of the message heard on the program today or you'd like to share it with a friend, head on over to downtownbible.org. A free copy of today's entire message is available there for you to stream or download at your convenience. We're thrilled to announce the publication of a new book written by Pastor Scott Gilchrist. It's called A Brief Exposition of Romans. It's a 266 page chapter by chapter commentary on Romans that we're sure will enhance your understanding of this critical book in the New Testament. The book is available online at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and most other online booksellers. But during our study of Romans, we'd like to send you a copy as a thank you for a gift of any amount to the Ministry of Downtown Bible. You can find us online at downtownbible.org or by mail at P.O. Box 19191, Portland, Oregon 97280. We'd love to put this valuable resource in your hands. If you don't have a church home in the area, Pastor Scott would love to invite you to join us in person for our Sunday worship services at Southwest Bible Church. That's each Sunday morning at 8.30 and 11 a.m. at the church located at the corner of Southwest Murray and Weir Road in Beaverton. You can go to our website at swbible.org for more details. We hope to see you there. Now, before we end our time today, let's go to Pastor Scott for a preview of our next broadcast. We are heirs of God.
0: Christian, you've just become a Christian. You're an heir of God. As sure as you're a child of God, you're an heir of God. And, of course, that's not all he says. Look at verse 17. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. To me, this is the statement of our sonship. Fellow heirs with Christ... This is the statement of our adoption. We talked about it last time, you know, that uh, to be adopted into his family, we have full privileges. I mean, full family. We're not barely in the family. You know, you can sit over in the corner. We are fellow heirs with Christ. Think about what God's going to
1: give Christ. Think what he inherits. Join us again next time as we continue our series through the book of Romans. Pastor Scott brings a message titled, Fellow Heirs with Christ. Until then, may the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you.